I used to drive all over town for low prices, but now I let Walmart's incredible new savings catcher do the work for me. I just enter my Walmart receipt online and savings catcher does the rest. It compares the prices I paid for items at Walmart with advertised prices from other top stores in my area. And if savings catcher finds a lower advertised price, Walmart gives me the difference on an e-gift card. Now that's my kind of work. Introducing Savings Catcher from Walmart. Go to walmart.com slash savings catcher for details. Eligible items only. Restrictions apply. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries and your number one source in after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! All right, hey guys, welcome into the Manhattan After Show, Season 1, Episode 4, Last Reasoning of Kings. We've got a lot to talk about today. I'm your host, Bobby DeMiro. Thankfully, I'm not doing this alone today. Marissa, welcome back. Thank you. Technical difficulties last week. She couldn't call in. I did the show alone. I'm not bitter about it. I tried, guys. I really did. But you owe me big time for that. I know. I'm sorry. But thank you so much for you know, I, doing I, it. I don't want to brag. Solo. But I really think that the after show hit its stride last week. <laughs> I'm sure it did. N- not saying it had anything to do with me being alone. I just mm-hmm. think it was the best of the first three we did. I'm just saying. Okay. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did listen to most of it. Most of it. Okay, most that's cool. It. All right, that's fine. You know what? That's whatever. All right, let's get into the show today, guys. Before we get into it, a reminder that if you haven't already, hit subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube. I know we get good comments. We get a lot of good tweets about it. So keep that up if you're already doing it. If you're not, reach out to us uh, at Serafini TV on Twitter, at that's Bobby right. Demira if you want to tweet us right now, if you're watching live or later, whenever you watch or hear this. Let's get into topic one today. I want to talk Niels Bohr, but let's leave him for topic two because he's a little funnier. Let's talk about something serious first, and that's Frank Winter. And really, we, we see a good example of PTSD and what he went through in World War One. We open up the entire show in the bunker. And I initially thought it was a bunker in World War II, and I kind of said, okay, this is cool. We're going to see a soldier's perspective in real time. We're going to go off Los Alamos. We're going to see something else. We later learned that's... A World flashback. Yeah. I figured it was World War One um, because it was a bunker. Because I, I yeah. heard more stories about like the traumatic experiences in bunkers, which were mostly. I mean, I mean, World War Two had it too. But in World War One, we hear all the stories from that. That's one. the thing. World War Two had them, but World War Two was fought slightly differently. In World War One, it was like the bunker war. It was all these terrible human casualties from things like chlorine gas, which spoiler alert, mm-hmm. mustard that's gas, what and all that. Um, so it was interesting to see that, and, and it, we should have, I should have realized it right away when they were making fun of Fathead because of his college years, when we know how smart Frank is and how he would have gone to college, and we see the doctor writing him, or not writing him, the prescription, talking about the relationship between his college and his military service and all that kind of stuff. And he had two years in college, which was a lot of education for someone at that age, and for that time. In 1917, 1918, yeah. Exactly. I would think so. And, and Frank's a smart guy, but I, I think that's a little bit different. Um it just underscores the point, though, and, and obviously we'll learn a little bit more about Fathead as the show goes on, but this all will underscore the point of how precarious Frank's situation is. Uh, a, he's not sleeping, and when you're under this much stress and you're not sleeping, outside influences be damned, you're still going to have a decision-making problem, you're still going to be slow, you're still going to make poor decisions, which he does, but mm-hmm. you compound with him the PTSD 
that he feels. What would it be like to walk through and see hundreds of dead soldiers walking out of that bunker, let alone what else he's seen? It's it's crazy, and it also kind of explains all the past episodes and everything he's been saying, you know, his vision of Sid. So we think that was because of his insomnia. But now adding the the story and the layer of PTSD, I mean, that it could be insomnia. It's it's the mix of both of them, and that's a dangerous mix to now be envisioning everything that's going on around him that really isn't there, but he still experienced. And I said last week on the After Show, one of my predictions with Dunlavey, coincidentally, was PTSD with him and how the Army in the 40s is not equipped to handle this like they would be today, and some would argue today they are still not equipped to handle this, but it's better than it would have been in the 40s. now we see the same PTSD thing. Whatever happens to Dunlavey, and we'll talk about him later, this could also afflict Frank, and it already is, but it could also make it a lot worse on Frank coming up. And the Army's not equipped to deal with him. They already think he's erratic and crazy, which is not a good start. They don't see him as somebody needing help. They see him as somebody who kind of needs to be put in a straitjacket, like yeah, Paul said. Yeah, a little bit. And also, we kind of see his wife trying to help him, too. But, you, you know, Frank, he's so disconnected from everybody. He's out for himself and then you know him going through all this it's not healthy he needs other he needs other people to help him through this and and the only other people who he's got who can uh, help is not the right word but the only other people he has are visions he sees the patients he sees you know remembers visions of the nurse at the very end of the episode remembers visions of the other soldiers soldiers in the bunker um not a lot of people really soldiers on the field yeah and not a lot of people really understand what he's going through. It's it, one very interesting scene with this because, well, I, I don't want to jump ahead. Let's wait for a second there. I first want to get to this bomb testing because this kind of falls under Frank and the PTSD and the tests that he put in with the primer that he wasn't allowed to do. And mm-hmm. this poor military policeman, Watts, we see again, Dunlavey was un, under-equipped to handle what he handled. Watts is now way out of his league. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. I know, obviously, you need to prioritize security and military people on the front lines. When you're looking at soldiers, they need to be on the front lines in in the Pacific front and in Europe. But as important as Los Alamos is, and the government it readily admits how important it is and how secretive it needs to be, don't you think you'd find better military police than just totally fresh green guys who are really ineffective? I mean, yes, it would be better to, you know, hire personnel that were more experienced and high, more highly ranked. But also, if you think about it, they're doing a Manhattan Project. They have to keep it very discreet. And probably the best people to hire are the people who are fresh and green, who wouldn't really question anything. They are just there to, you know, be bodies, to be a part of this project. But also, then we also know that Frank, he tests everybody who has rank. And you can see he goes up against people, but no one argues against him. They just let him be. And no one placates to him. And he doesn't placate to anyone. But, and... Also, we did get the line that he still works for the U.S. Army, so yeah. he still does have a rank, high-ranking position, and no one's going to test that either. So even if they did get higher people, personnel, they're not going to stop him. And for all the new people that are green that he's working with, no one's going to stop him because he's higher in rank. And, and not only is he higher in rank, but I think he's so crazy and he just doesn't give a damn. And you can see it twice in this particular section of the episode, in this particular storyline, with, with Paul, with the British guy who went with him with the camera. Um, the first one is when Watts pulls the gun, Frank's like, I don't want to get shot in the back. Shoot me in the chest, knowing you're not going to shoot me. I'm mm-hmm. too crazy for you. You're not ready to do it anyways, and I'm going to physically disarm you, which is a huge... Which was good, and also it's like, you're a coward, and yeah. you don't have the strength or you know, courage to do that. Yeah, and the second Again, one... Again, testing people's ability to even you know be do their work. Yeah, and that's the thing. And the, and the second one is with Paul. When Paul says, I'm flipping, I'm going to Akeley, and Frank's like, fine. 
I will I will call your bet, make my day, just drag the damn camera home. Mm-hmm. And when, and I think with both Paul and Watts, they see that because Frank has nothing to lose, you can't bargain with him, you can't win, you can't win your argument because he doesn't care. He, he's at the end of his rope, and if he dies, he dies. And if you leave his team, what's the difference? His team's not getting funding and things anyway, so who cares? A man, a man, a desperate man is a dangerous man. Mm-hmm. I saw that on a separate after show the other night. <laughs> a desperate man is a dangerous man, but it's true in Frank's case absolutely it's true and also i love how frank because he's he's older he has more wisdom that he he explains everything in perspective too he's like you can go to the other team but he's not going to give any crap about you it's like it's about loyalty and he's like i'm going to be that loyal guy even if i don't have the best leadership skills i'm still going to be loyal to you because you're loyal to me if you go to someone else they're not going to treat you with the same respect yeah so you know even those terms on you know with just leading everyone, he has that more so than Reed does. Now let's talk about the most interesting scene on this, and I know that we're obviously jumping to the end with this particular storyline, but I want to get there because it's so important. It's the shrapnel in Frank's boot when they're walking back. That looks so painful. Which did look, yeah, it was a little painful. Um, but he can take it. <clears throat> he can take, yeah. Frank apparently can take it. 30 miles. <laughs> um, but it's the shrapnel in his boot, and then telling Paul that he has a gift. But I think the interesting thing with that conversation with Paul, Frank is, is a motivational speaker and has been pretty much every episode. I think in all four episodes, he's kind of in a way inspired or motivated somebody or another, whether it was Charlie or Sid or now Paul or the rest of his team. This one was different with Paul, though, because we finally understand Frank's motivations. And he says it. Not only is no one coming to save us, which is a big eye-opener for Paul to say we're on our own and we have to do this. But the real thing is there's no comfort in battle. Scientists are soldiers. And it was the clear delineation between Akeley and Frank. And I don't—I'd be interested to hear what you think. I don't think Akeley is completely a detestable character. I don't think he's a true antagonist. He's not— vindictive he's not a cheater he's just kind of a lump who's there and doesn't do enough and he's sort of a worthless guy to us whatever but he's not detestable and i think frank sees it the same way akeley kind of knows science but he's not working hard enough he doesn't understand we are on the front lines of war in our own way and he drove it home to paul's brain without paul ever thinking about it before and he Mm -hmm. drove it home to mine too i know how important it is to make the bomb now i really understand how important it is to make the bomb yeah and i don't really detest Akeley's character that I find you know the foils between Akeley and Reed re- really good I'm sorry they're the same people <laughs> Frank and Reed the the you know really interesting because you have to like them for their certain different things and we spend the audience spend more time with um, Frank so we're bound to like him he's more the protagonist of yeah. the story than Reed but when Reed speaks he you know he can put things in perspective too like he is the nice devil's advocate working against each other and i find him interesting and like i don't detest him one bit it's just like the their methods and the way that they go about it it's like do you prefer one way or the other and I think Reed sort of represents maybe the government's mindset, a little more official, a little slower. I know the stereotype of the government in, in all regards nowadays. Look at the DMV or something stereoty- stereotypical, how long stuff takes, how difficult the process is. And that's sort of Reed. We're going to take a long time. I'm only going to work this many hours. And Frank's like, forget it. It's whatever you can do. If I got to put in 100 hours a week, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put in 100 hours a week. And he does. And he's working all night, and he's been criticized for not sleeping, which is going to keep affecting his decision-making. And whether insomnia is a symptom of a bigger issue with him, whether it's PTSD or depression or something else, 
something more serious than insomnia is going on, but all of that's going to affect his work, and I can't help but wonder, not to predict too much, if he's not going to make a colossal mistake at some point. Not these little ones with the detonations that we've seen. That wasn't supposed to happen. Exactly. And, and, the, one, and the detonation mistake today was a big one. He shouldn't have ran up to it. But I mean, I mean a totally colossal mistake, something that because his decision-making is so clouded, and because he's so desperate, he does something that's going to cost lives at Los Alamos. Yeah, and probably completely shut down the project in general. I mean, we kind of know that doesn't happen. But, yes, I agree. We are we're going to see bigger mistakes down the road. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting to see with him. I guess we can only imagine. Uh, let's get to Niels Bohr now. Before we do that, though, guys, one quick thing. We have got a great uh, sponsor on this show, on the Manhattan After Show. Walmart is doing a new thing called Savings Catcher, the simple, easy way to save. Uh, no more driving all over town, searching through ads, or coupon clipping. The thing you can do if you become a Savings Catcher today, enter your Walmart receipt. So after you go shopping at Walmart, come home, you have your receipt. Enter it online, and if any eligible item you purchased was advertised for a lower price at any other store in your area, Savings Catcher will give you a Walmart e-gift card for the difference. So restrictions will apply, um, but enter it online, or you can enter it on the Walmart app on your smartphone, uh, and uh, Savings Catcher does all the work for you. That's so, great. I know. It kind of sounds like a guaranteed win to me. You get all Walmart's low prices. You get all the other low prices if there is a lower price, and you can make up the difference on a gift card. So start today. You can go to walmart.com slash savings catcher, enter your receipt, and you're pretty much there. It's very helpful. Walmart helping the community. And Walmart helping After Buzz TV. Absolutely. I love it. Now, speaking of helping, let's talk about Niels Bohr, helping or hurting Los Alamos. I think he's helping. Really? Even though he didn't do anything? No, he didn't do anything But for this episode. But he did instill a lot of encouragement towards Charlie, towards anyone, and even Liza. Like, everyone he talked to, there was a purpose for his scenes. And maybe it wasn't for science, but it was his perspective on life, the bigger picture of everything, which was great. And he's a great contrast to Oppenheimer, which was very surprising. Niels Bohr is sort of like, you're going to laugh at this, sort of like a character in Gilligan's Island. After a while <laughs> in Gilligan's Island, when they start bringing in guest stars and stuff, mm -hmm. it's kind of like that because you need new blood, and so they have to find a realistic way to bring him in and then let him leave, and bring him in and let him leave. And so this worked with Niels Bohr, but you have to have new blood, and I think aside from the hokey Gilligan's Island reference, it's also important with him because he has been around the world. And he has seen some stuff and has been through some stuff on the front lines in Europe himself. Especially World War II. Being in Europe during that time is exactly. completely different than being in America. Oh, 100%. And he's been through that. And not only that, but he's been off base his whole life. He's obviously never been to Los Alamos before. And so for him to come in, these people are effectively prisoners. Callie demonstrates mm -hmm. that pretty strongly. These people are effectively prisoners, and he can kind of come in with a different perspective and a different attitude. And it's interesting that all the people who are on the base, you know, against their will or not, all the people <laughs> who are kind of trapped on the base, for the most part, are very, very serious, very serious about war and gung-ho and jingoist, you know, jingoistic and whatever. And Niels Bohr, who's been in the war situation, is really laid back. He really sees it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I know he understands the severity of war, of course, but he sees it from a very calm, uh, a much different perspective, and he's the one who's on the front lines. you think it would be flipped around. Yeah, but it's great that because he has this experience, he can instill it upon other people, be like, hey, it's not as bad as you think. You yeah. know, it's like, I, I know what it's like. And even if you are straight and you, you're doing what you don't want to do, there is, you know, there's still science out there. You can still do it. So it's like, I love his encouragement of other people because at this point, we've seen about everybody and they're all kind of hopeless right now. I mean, they know that they're stuck in the mud. They can't go anywhere. And and then having this positive influence coming in, who's very well known in across the world, 
the, to instill the happiness within the community again is great. And I got to ask you, let's just cut to the chase on him. Um, because he knows Frank and he knows Liza and he has such a good relationship with the two of them and he mm -hmm. likes them so much and he's so indifferent to everyone else. Do you think Niels Bohr is leaving Los Alamos simply because Oppenheimer doesn't want him to be involved with the implosion project because Oppenheimer's scared it'll be right or Frank will be vindicated or whatever? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think going for you know what really happened with Niels Bohr because he was part of the the real Niels Niels yeah. Bohr was part of the project, but he was here and there. He wasn't actually a fully attached to the project but he always did instill his and give his insight and you know consulted here and there so i think his character would definitely be recurring and he'll be here and there to help you know add more science to it whenever they need to you know go for him for information so he's not this isn't the last we have oh no but i mean do you think oppenheimer is trying to push him away in the story because of something to do with frank do you think Oppenheimer is scared about Niels and Frank and their relationship and Niels looking at the implosion uh, thing and all that kind of stuff? I, I think yes, because he knows, because of their close relationship, he knows that Fr Frank is probably right in all of his science and Oppenheimer is feeling threatened. Yeah. So he to get away from someone who's going to also agree with Frank and just give him more power in this whole project. And someone who everybody respects. This would be this would be a huge in for Frank if Neil stuck around, if Neil's did whatever, yeah. because that legitimizes everything Frank's been doing. If you, you can say no to Frank Winter if you've all determined him crazy. They can't say no to Neil's But then you say no to Neil's no board? No, yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah, they all they're in love with Neil's board. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, everyone loves. Him. <laughs> um, the he's a wacky guy though. I I, I really liked him. I like. I found the, him funny though. I mean, yeah. he was a nice comedic, you know, character. No, I appreciate. It. I like the kind of levity, the little bit of funniness Absolutely. with him and with Callie. We keep teasing. We'll talk about her later. Don't worry. <laughs> but I like kind of him and Callie are both a little funny, and we need some of that. Yeah. Um. And and of course Frank's team with Niels. How nervous they are. It's it's yeah. the most ridiculous. It's like it's like a motley crew of Big Bang Theory, <laughs> you know, people almost like those four or five people. The British guy's a little more serious. Paul's a little more serious. And we've seen other ones be serious at points, but the rest of that crew together is like, it's funny and it's cool and it's truly just a quirky band of misfits. It's oh, Little Rascals. And I love it, exactly, because <laughs> I love Frank's team because they're so average Joe and we can, as the audience, feel for them more and, uh, you know, really just connect with them more than Reed's team. Yeah. And uh, I liked how... It was across the board. Everyone was just, like, so enthralled by Neil. I made the Twister reference already, right? You know <laughs> the movie Twister? Ago. Yeah, Yeah, okay, ago. good. All right, I was just making sure. Yep. I, if I had to drag it out again, I was going to drag Jonas it out again. Jonas' team, but... yes, exactly. compared to... Okay, to compared to Bill, Bill Paxton's yep, team? Bill Paxton's okay, team. perfect. There we go. And we're team Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt all the way. Of course. Yeah, okay, cool. All right. Uh, all right, <laughs> moving on. Um, one more thing about Neil's, one more interesting thing. As funny as he is, as much levity as he brings... The interesting thing he had to say to Charlie at the dinner when he walked out and Charlie came up to him, um, talking about the war to end all wars and the weapon to end all wars. And we were going to create a weapon so awful that no man would ever have a war again. And the whole time he's saying that thing, I'm like, hmm, where have I heard this before? You yeah. know, we heard it two episodes ago from Frank. Frank, Frank said it in the beginning, the yeah. very first episode. is like, if this project does work, it will be an imploding star. Yeah. You know, and then I love it when Neil's actually looking at the science, on the, the formulas on the board. It made me think that, hey, this is probably actually going to work. Yeah. But Neil's, Neil, um, you know, found that out. And you can kind of see it in his face like, wow, this is... This is real. This really does happen. But he's like withholding that information from Oppenheimer. Well, and that's and it's an interesting thing with him to see 
him talking about chlorine gas and what happened in World War One is such a parallel to Frank right now in World War Two. Niels in World War One has the perspective looking back that said, we created a monster in chlorine gas and in mustard gas and all those things. We thought it was going to end all wars. The nasty weapon, no one would ever use it again. It's so big. Guess what? We're fighting World War Two 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Didn't end anything, you know? And when Frank said it in episode one or two to Liza, something along the lines of, if we succeed, this will end all wars, I'm thinking to myself, Korea, Vietnam, mm-hmm. Gulf War, war on terrorism. You know, Still no, it down. didn't end all wars. And I know he can't predict the future, but obviously that line but is... they're building another weapon that exactly. will affect so many people. It, but, but it won't end all war. And no, that's the crazy thing. And I think Niels has that perspective. And he says, we built a big weapon. It didn't end war. You can build another big weapon, but it's not about war or not. It's about this insane drive that humanity wants to exterminate itself. I think that's what he said. And and he looks at it from just kind of a, I, I, he's done. He literally said that to Charlie. He's like, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. Whatever he said, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't his words verbatim. But he kind of walks away and says, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. And that's that idea of him giving up and saying, humanity's crazy. What we did was crazy. This is even crazier, and the next time's going to be crazier than that. Yep, absolutely. You know, and, and, and it's and for Niels, I think Niels, and a lot of these guys will understand this, but I think Niels understands, without saying as much, how dangerous he is. Not as an individual, he's not going to kill you, mm-hmm. but how dangerous his mind is that they can create things like this that will kill thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. And also, Niels has a different perspective on science itself because he studied the atomic mass so he he can probably understand it on a whole different level the the science of it all on a different level and realize the extremity of everything that's going to be happening in this project yeah yeah and i just i love some of the very little things they did with him not only the scene with liza which was really nice talking about how you know frank told me if i ever get close to a nobel prize it's going to be my wife's dinner guest which is a great thing to say mm-hmm. not only to make liza feel good but it's a great thing that for frank to say to Niels. Um, but even the little thing with the Kestrel, when we very first see Niels and he's walking over and Charlie wants to impress him because Charlie's a go-getter and this is war. And Niels like, look, it's a Kestrel. And yeah. yeah, it's goofy, but it's also somebody who has seen hell and wants to appreciate the beauty. Everything else in the yeah. world. Yeah. And, it's, and I think that's not that Niels is the wrong person to have on the project. He's perfect. He's very smart. He's smarter than arguably anybody in the world in a lot of ways. Right now, yeah. Um, but mentally... Maybe he's not the best person to have in this project because he's not there. He doesn't want to do it, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But he can't contribute the way that I think Oppenheimer's expecting him to contribute. Absolutely. And he's not yeah. going to. Like you said, he'll be in and out, but he's not going to no, stick around. No, he's not be officially part of it. He's not putting in 100 hours of work every like week Frank like Frank is. is. <laughs> yep. Um, but a, a real quick about, I guess, with Liza with him. Because um, Liza's storyline is going to start getting interesting. We see at the end she's furiously studying, doing, you know, whatever flowers, it was with flowers yeah. and botany. Um, I don't know where that will go with her, but we've already known how smart she is. We know what she gave up, a, a tenure track in the Ivy League, which for a female professor at that time period is much different than it is today. It's a huge gig for anybody today. It's different 60 and 70 years ago. Yep. And for her to give up that, not only is a big sacrifice, but it underscores just how intelligent she is and how much she wants to work. Do you remember her saying to him, mm-hmm. the Army won't let me work. I want to do something and they won't let me. And it also shows how much faith that she has in Frank for to let Frank's signs overcome hers. Yeah. And that, that, like, she's really taking the back seat right now, which, I mean, that's a great wife in and of itself. Yeah. So she Even t- though she's she's very intelligent scientist, but she's letting Frank's work, you know, be priority. Yeah. She'll only take the back seat for so long, though. Mm-hmm. A little baby prediction in too, there. Yeah. it's too. She's too smart of a woman <laughs> not to. 
<laughs> All right. Hey, as we're moving on to uh, our third topic, remember, guys, we mentioned at the top of the show, but if you haven't yet, go on iTunes, hit subscribe. If you're listening to the audio podcast, if you're watching the video on YouTube, hit subscribe. And if you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blah, 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 at AfterBuzz TV on every single one of those outlets. AfterBuzz Instagram, have you been following the AfterBuzz Instagram lately? Of course. They're like blowing up. Like every mm-hmm. day I've got like 10 new Instagrams and there's like guests and shows. And I'm just like, okay. Yep. All right. That's what we do. (laughs) Cool. Good good Instagram follow. Um, All right. Let's go to topic number three. This will be a fun one. We talk about bombs and serious stuff and death in the first two. Let's talk about Dunleavy and his new uh, girlfriend. What do you want to call her? I wouldn't call them girlfriend, boyfriend yet. I don't know, man. You can't show people your boobs in the 40s and have it not mean a little something Something, a little something. (laughs) But I find it interesting how they're adding, you know, a whole different story about this new budding relationship. Yeah. Especially in such a small community, people are going to find out. And, you know, having a an army pos- a person in the army and, like, having that position now going after Frank's family, there, there's going to be a lot of conflict there. And it's like a little Romeo and Juliet because what Dunleavy did to Sid, who was part of Frank's team, and how Frank feels about Dunleavy. Yeah. Got a little Romeo and Juliet going. So, okay, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I think good for Dunleavy. I think from the start, Callie liked him, even when she said that thing about you murdered my dad's mathematician, which she was honest about and angry about and upset about, I think. Mm-hmm. I think there's also immediately an attraction there. Oh, definitely. I was like, I watched those two, and I was like, they definitely have some chemistry going on. Yeah, and I think Callie's kind of to the point where she can't leave the base. She was caught. She wanted to go to New it's York and all these things. It's a prison to her. She can't go anywhere. So if she's here, she's probably like, you know what? Let's cause a little trouble. Let's have some fun. Let's, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm already imprisoned. What's yeah. the worst thing? They're not going to kill me. What's the worst thing that can happen? But also, this might get into predictions. Territory Dunleavy is going to put his his newfound high position, high ranking position, in jeopardy as well. Because of Cali. Because of Cali. I uh, think I think a lot of things might happen. Who knows what? But it's he might lose his position now. I mean, or it's definitely in jeopardy. Interesting. Okay, that is kind of into prediction territory, but okay. Um, other than that, I guess Dunleavy is is adjusting pretty well. One of my big predictions from last week with him was the whole PTSD thing, how he was going to be struggling. I expected him to struggle more. Obviously, the, his character arc took a different turn with Callie, but I expected him to struggle more. I expected uh, Frank's team to continue being mean to him or whatever, and I expected him mentally to break down more. We didn't really see that today. So the Sid story, I'm sure it's not over. I'm sure we'll see Dunleavy still struggling. But the Sid story is is kind of losing its, its steam. Yeah, exactly. And because I don't think the the only time they mentioned Sid was the mathematician now, not even by his name. Yeah. So he's losing just the the credibility of you know everything. But I I like it how they have like three different relationships going on right now. We have the new budding relationship between Callie and Dunleavy. And then we have Charlie and Abby, who's pretty st- still going strong right now. Pretty, you know, I was just, ro- I just wrote down, op- hot sex room. scene. Yeah. Super, for, very, super very. hot. Okay, WGN. So we still got All a right. pretty solid uh, relationship. And then we have, you know, Frank and his wife and Liza. So their relationship is still kind of deteriorating. So it's like these three stages of relationships are fun to watch. It is fun to watch. And Dunleavy and, and Callie are kind of so optimistic and so young. I mean, it's stereotypical. And mm-hmm. Charlie and Abby are like newly newlywed married, still optimistic, still at it. And Frank and Liza are like, here's reality. And here's reality on steroids because of what we do, but here's reality. Yep. You can sort of see the progression from happy to pretty happy to... Uh. Yeah, okay, we're going down. <laughs> so much for that. Um, yeah, Dunleavy and Callie is going to be interesting. I don't know what else to say about them other than, other than I, I can't wait. Callie has nothing to lose. And, again, Frank, a desperate man's a dangerous man. I think with Callie, 
when you're a teenager and you have nothing to lose and you can't say whatever anyways to anybody, what's the difference? You know what I mean? What's the difference? You have no fear of being uh, uh, outed or imprisoned because you're already in prison. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. She's going to do whatever she wants. But, oh, I have a new prediction with uh, Callie now. But, you know, we'll we'll get to that. Okay. Um, but, yes, it's interesting that Callie's going to stir some trouble. I can't wait. Let's yeah. do it right now. Let's do predictions. Okay. All right. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. I have a little cut on my nose. I talk so much I'm bleeding. <laughs> you got too excited. I must have got too excited or I got I just cut myself and I don't remember it. Interesting. Okay. I'll let you know if it becomes a big thing. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> All right. Um, to go back to Kelly, I think yes. now she... Being the kind of spontaneous kind of girl that she is, getting in trouble and being, you know, getting here and there and getting past gates that she's not, being in places that she's not supposed to, I think she might stumble upon Frank's science research and try to, and might find out what's happening. Oh, so you're saying, and so she, and she doesn't know the science behind it, but she might find Mm -hmm. out what they're doing. if she's hooking up now with Dunleavy, he has access to certain parts of the, the area and therefore, she might stumble upon things that she's not supposed to find out. That is a great prediction. Thank you. That is a great prediction. I think the obvious prediction is a pregnancy, too, which would be mm, a yeah. longer story arc or whatever. But I think her getting pregnant, the two of them are so naive, her and Dunleavy, that I've got to believe something like that could... Yeah. Who knows? And then also, I think we're going to see more physicists come into the storyline. I mean, we just had Neil Spohr, who's very famous. We might also... I would love to see Albert Einstein. Because he was part of yeah. Project Manhattan, or Manhattan Project yeah. as well. But uh, he was more at the beginning um, of the project. And we know that they're like really, well, already years into this project. So, I mean, it would be cool to see Einstein be come in just like Niels Bohr and be like a consultant or something. I would just love to see Einstein, at least if not for the simple fact to see how they cast him what the actor's kind of affectations are and all that sort of stuff. Because Einstein just looks so unique. It's like playing Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or, or Jesus. You know, you have, to, yeah. you have to play these characters very, very, very carefully because the audience expects a dead-on certain look. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. And absolutely, because I don't think we've really had a lot of modern-day, you know, reenactments of Albert Einstein. So I would love to see how they would portray him in yeah. today's society. And then also one more, I think Abby and Charlie, we know the relationship is pretty strong right now, but we're going to see a fast deterioration. Really? So, like, I think that's kind of going to go downhill every once in a while. Does that happen to do with Abby's lie detector test from last week? And some of the things she was saying about had she ever had sex with anybody outside her marriage and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. It, it might be because I don't think Charlie would ever find that ab- about that because that is confidential and whatnot. But I think that like with Charlie being away so much and working on this project, he's going to turn into that work machine and constantly be away, and like their relationship's going to start to have a disconnect. Interesting. You, you brought it on the predictions <laughs> this week. Mm, I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my prediction, I'm going to go this way. I think Frank is so bullheaded or pigheaded or whatever animal you want to use, whatever animal <laughs> head you want to use, Frank is so bullheaded and so stubborn and so set in his ways and so mad at Charlie. We've been talking about how their re- relationship is going to reconcile. In long term, I still think it will. In the short term, Frank is so bullheaded about Charlie and he's so bullheaded about Liza. I think those two people, Charlie and Liza, will go behind Frank's back and work together. Ah, okay. And I could see those two forming an alliance because Charlie wants to 
you can tell Charlie still admires Frank on some level, and right now Frank's really cooled off to him a lot. And I think that Charlie will try to get to Liza to get to Frank, and when he realizes how smart she is, something's going to happen between them, not romantically or anything. I think that'd be bizarre. Yeah. But I think, I think work-wise... Charlie and Liza will work together or, or not necessarily form an official team, but there's going to be some sort of exchange of information between the two of mm -hmm. them. And Charlie will clue in Liza on what's going on, and Liza will know about the whole thing behind Frank's back without ever letting him know, I know what the project is. Yeah, and also we did see that quick scene when Charlie was giving the tour to Niels, and like he was going over Frank's work, so he does know what Frank is working on too. So I mean, and I think Frank's gonna find out about that and be really angry at Charlie. But also Charlie kind of already foresees himself being part of Frank's team, begrudgingly so, whether he likes it or not. Yeah, because yeah. he's gonna be with the other rejects. So he says. I think so. I until he finds out they're not rejects, and mm -hmm. you know, we know they're not rejects. Yeah. We like them. Yeah, we love them. Yeah, come on, Charlie, don't be mean. And 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 to complicate some of the matters on Charlie and Abby's relationship, because we've seen them get frisky so many times. Yes, mm -hmm. I said get frisky, so many times. I think a pregnancy is in tune for them, and it would make sense for a lot of reasons, but one of them is when their relationship gets complicated, if your prediction's correct, a baby will only further complicate this whole situation. Yep. So I could see that coming as kind of a secondary prediction down the road here. Mm -hmm. And it'll make, Lord knows it'll make Abby busy enough, because she's not busy right now. <laughs> no, she's not. All right. No news and gossip this week. Um, but, hey, you're back. This is good. I am. <laughs> goodness. Thank goodness. All right. Hey, social media stuff right now. Where can they find you on Twitter and Instagram you and all that good stuff? You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serafini TV. And I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMiro on Instagram at Mr. Bobby DeMiro. This was season, season one, episode four, last reasoning of Kings here on the Manhattan After Show. We will be back next week with episode five. Thank you guys for joining us this week. We'll see you then. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. This after show is brought to you by Walmart's Savings Catcher. Walmart's new Savings Catcher is the simple and easy way to save. Just go to walmart.com slash savings catcher to enter your receipt.